Welcome to Lakeland Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. How's everyone this morning? It is so good to be with you guys down here by the lake. What an amazing day. I know it's going to be a little toasty for some of you. You're going to be refreshed in baptism, <laughs> and it is going to be fun. We've got a fun and exciting, uh, I guess, half hour, 45 minutes ahead of us here. This is going to be so much fun. Fun. But first off, I just want to welcome you. If you've never been to Lakeland, what a great place to just kind of hopefully get a first touch of this church. We're located uh, just west of here in Lake Geneva, but kind of crosshairs of the county. I'm Josh. I'm the senior pastor here. And uh, we just, uh, I guess I would say, say it this way, if we could boil down our heartbeat, we love Jesus. Anyone out there love Jesus? <laughs> We love Jesus. We want you to know him uh, personally. Before we go too far, I just want to say to those online, to those here, if at some point you want to be able to either support the ministry of Lakeland, we do have people walking around in kind of green vests. They have buckets where you can give. We also have prayer partners that are available. I think the right, prayer tent is right over, over here. And so if any point today, whether you're online or in person, you need prayer, make sure if you're in person, swing by the prayer tent right on over here. If you're online, drop prayer in the chat, and uh, we'll have people who will follow up with you in prayer. Um, but let me just start uh, by asking you a question. Have you ever had somebody say to you or ask you a question like this where they go, hey, you've got to try fill in the blank. And then you're like, no, no, thanks. I'm not interested. Like, I've tried that before. It's not my thing. For me, anyone? Anyone like that? you got to try this. And you're like, no, 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 not for me. For me, I've had that in a handful of areas of my life, whether it was like coffee. I've told you that before. Or like for years, I was like, no, nah, I wasn't a coffee drinker. I am now. I also have had it in the area of calamari. How, how many of you like calamari? Some of you do. Okay, so like calamari is like this high-end, classy food, and I've had people over the years who, who are like, you got to love calamari, and so my wife and I were like, I don't know, it's like octopus, you know, and it was like gross, and I was like, I don't know if I want that, and so every once in a while we would try it, and when we would try it, it was, it was like gross, and so one day, we're actually dining with some friends. We're actually eating at Cafe Calamari. It's over in Williams Bay. It's one of our favorite restaurants. Uh, while we were there, the people were like, you want to get some calamari? And we're like, no, we don't like calamari. They're like, are you kidding me? You've got to love calamari. And, like, and they're like, listen, it's, it's Cafe Calamari. You have to have it when you're here. They do it upright. And so we're like, fine. So they ordered some calamari. The stuff arrives. And we take a bite. My wife and I are both go, same time. We're like, oh. We're like, that's good. And the people are like this. They're like, here, and we described what we had tasted in the past and how we'd had it. And they're like, listen, it just wasn't served upright. And they go, this is what it's supposed to be like, like this. And here's what I would say to you. If you're sitting there and you're like, listen, I don't know about Jesus so much because maybe you have a bad experience. It's, is it possible? Unfortunately, sometimes this happens that, that there are people who call themselves Christians who might have served up Jesus to you in a way that was actually not accurate of him. Like, it's, it's possible. And so if you're sitting there going, why is this church fired up about Jesus? Uh, well, part of it is because we've discovered him actually served up correctly. And if there's anything I could do for you today is I just want to hopefully serve him up authentically how he is for you to taste and see for yourself, okay? And so here's the deal. There's this passage in Scripture 
in Luke, where Jesus has, it's one of his very first encounters he has with some of his very first disciples, and, uh, and he has it in a kind of a setting, I guess, like this. He's at a lake. Anyone like the lake? I love the lake. We're a lake land. <laughs> lake, we love lake life, and Jesus has so many really cool, authentic encounters with people where he serves himself up truly as he is to people right there at the lake, and so actually over the summer, we're looking at a whole bunch of lake moments with Jesus, and this is just one of those moments where he serves himself up, and they respond in a way that's so beautiful. I believe it's the same way that he would want to serve himself up to you today and see if you would respond similarly. So the passage is in Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read to you just the verses here, and then we're going to unpack it. Luke 5 verse 1, it says this, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of uh, Gennesaret, that's also the Sea of Galilee, same place, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. When uh, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by, their, by fishermen who were washing their nets, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that's Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have been uh, fishing all night long and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch, the fish that they had taken in. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. When Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you're going to fish for people. So they, pulled, uh, so they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything, and they followed him. Now, if we could just take a deeper dive into this passage and look at what Jesus does with them, I think he would really want to interact with us the same way. And if I could just make a first observation, simple, it's this. is that God often asks us to take a step of faith where we often feel most in control. So think about this. Jesus, who is the carpenter, that's what he grew up. His father was a carpenter, Joseph was, and so he was. And so now you got this carpenter turned teacher, turned rabbi, and he goes to the master fisherman and he says, guys, put out your nets one more time. This is the place where these guys are masters. They're like master fishermen. And often God asks the same thing of us. He asks us to, to say, hey, can you listen to me? Can you take your cues from me? Can you surrender to me in the place where you feel most in control? I know for me, one of the funniest things is when I've got, I've got nine kids, if you didn't know that, nine kids. Awesome motorcycle. Appreciate that. I got nine kids, and uh, my young ones, sometimes like my six-year-old, my seven-year-old, sometimes they'll play like backseat driver. And it's really weird to me when they're like, Dad, turn here. And I'm like, we're going that way. Or, or they're like, Dad go. And I'm like, we're at a stoplight. Or, or, or they're like, dad, slow down. I'm like, I'm going the speed limit. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, I'm thinking, guys, you don't even know how to drive. I'm wondering if this is how Peter felt when Jesus was like, hey, let down your nets. Did he look at him and, he, and he's like, Jesus, you're not a fisherman. Like, I know how to fish, and you're asking me to do something that I'm actually really good at. I'm good at controlling this thing. And uh, this is what God often does for us, is he still is asking us, can you trust me in the place where you are often in control? Like, I remember in my life, one of the places, that guy's loving it. 
Yeah, yeah. Nurse that Harley. It's awesome. It's the beauty of being downtown, right? I love it. So I remember in my life, years ago, I had uh, one of the places where I've always been kind of in control and pretty good at was actually my finances from a little kid. I was one of those little kids who could uh, make money. I worked hard, and then I saved well. And even that worked all my way into my marriage, when we were first married, we were dirt poor, but I was still a provider. And that was one of those areas I liked to control, quite frankly. And I remember one day when all of a sudden, like, I was in this crisis moment, our our washing machine actually broke. And I'm sitting there going, oh my word, like every dollar that we're making has already an assigned bill to pay or an expense that it's going to. I'm sitting here going, I can't control this. I can't provide. And all of a sudden, the guy who liked to provide is caught in a crossroads going, "Uh uh-oh, I can't provide. And I found myself praying, going, God, I can't provide. And I need you to be my provider. And for some of you, you've heard me tell the story before about how God literally miraculously provided a washing machine for us that night. And I'll tell you this, that day I learned something that I had never learned up to that point. I always trusted God kind of as my provider. I put that in quotes. But that day I literally learned that he was my provider. I was like, he is someone who's totally in control in a place where I thought I was in control, and I can always trust him to be my provider. And uh, quite frankly, he, need, he will continue to push into areas where you and I like to control things. And he says, can you trust me there? And notice what happens next is verse 5. Simon answers back to Jesus, and he's like, hey, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll give it a try. And here's kind of second observation. It's this. God often will ask us to take a step of faith where we are coming up short on our own. This is the place where Peter, he's already worked, he's already tried, he's given it his best, and yet he hasn't produced. He hasn't caught any fish that night. And uh, God often comes to us and he pushes against the areas where we've come up short. First, we've tr- uh, first we like to control it, and, s- and second, we've already worked it, and we haven't seen success. And sometimes these are the moments God is waiting for in your life. It's the coming up short moments. It's the life hits the fan moments. It's life is not going as it should moments. And for Peter, this is one of those moments. Worked all night, all night long for nothing. Hasn't produced. And now Jesus is going to ask him to do something that actually probably sounds totally cr- crazy. He's probably totally frustrated, and Jesus is going to say, hey, let out your nets again. Now, you got to realize this is not like cast your, your, your line one more time. That's not what Jesus is asking him to do. He's saying, let out your nets, which basically is saying, hey, I know you just took an hour to clean up after a day's worth of work. Let's do it again, you know? And, and, and Peter's like, listen, I know what you're asking of me. This is actually another hour worth of work on the other side of this thing. But he says, because you asked me to do so, okay. And here's the deal. Maybe the Lord might ask you of something. Maybe you're afraid of what God's going to ask of you. Like, maybe if I follow him, is he going to ask me to be crazy? Am I going to have to be like Pastor Josh? (laughs) Am I going to, what if I have to become a crazy Christian? What if I look foolish in front of my friends or my family members? And maybe you're a little bit afraid of that. But here's the deal. Following closely, following Christ closely might cost you something, you're right. But not following or following casually, I believe, will cost you more. Let me say it again. Yes, following him might cost you something. But not following or following casually will cost you more. 
And you want to know what it would have cost them had they not taken this step of faith? It would have cost them literally the next verses. It says this, when they had done so, because they took the step of faith, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets began to break. If Peter hadn't taken that risk of faith, that step of faith, you want to know what? It would have cost him. It would have cost him experiencing the greatest catch that the, that the Sea of Galilee had ever seen. It would have cost him that. But he took that step of faith and he got to see it. And here's the deal. God brings abundant satisfaction into the places of your life where you've only produced moderate satisfaction. Another way of saying it would be like this. Listen to this, folks. Listen, listen, listen. Your very best is short of God's abundance. Your best is still short of God's abundance. Imagine the greatest day of your life. Imagine what it was. Maybe it was your wedding day. Maybe it was the day a child was born. Maybe it was uh, the day you graduated from high school or college. Maybe it was the day that you got the biggest, the win on the field or the biggest accomplishment with your team. Maybe it was when you accomplished like this huge goal at work or, or like a life project. That, whatever you felt that day. Maybe you were like, man, that was the best day. Here's the deal. Your best is still short of God's abundance. Probably no one said it probably more clear or better than in 2005, Tom Brady is being interviewed. Now, check this out. He's 27 years old. This is like 16 years ago. He's 27 years old, and he's already won three Super Bowls. He's being interviewed on 60 Minutes, and the guy interviewing him, he says, so is it everything you dreamt it would be? And Tom Brady answers this way. He said this. He goes, "Uh, I've done it all. But he goes, but there's got to be more to life than this. Isn't it crazy? He has won the pinnacle thing of what every football player is striving for. He's done it three times at age 27. And he goes, there's got to be something more than this. Then the guy who's interviewing him asks a follow-up question. And he goes, do you know what the answer is? And Tom Brady, with desperation in his face and in his voice, goes, says this. He goes, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I wish I knew what the answer was, but my very best is still short of abundance, is what Tom was ultimately saying. And that's the same for us, is that your very best is still short of the abundance that he can provide. And the thing that most people don't realize is the fullness of Jesus, the abundance of what he provides, uh, is a unique type of abundance. It's not always abundant wealth. It, It doesn't always equate to that, but it's abundance in what you need in all areas. So think about this. The disciples, they just watched Jesus have the biggest catch of fish. And they're probably thinking, hey, we just won the lottery. If we follow this guy, we are going to be making it rich. But that's not what abundance is like in his kingdom. It's abundance to what you need. It's abundance in the fullness of what you need in the moment. Maybe it's the fullness of love when you feel like you cannot love someone or you feel unlovely. It's the fullness of peace in your anxiety. It's the fullness of provision. I need a dishwasher or a washing machine when one broke. It's the fullness of grace when you blow it. It's the fullness of hope when you feel hopeless. And in the same way, Jesus actually said the exact same thing to you and I in John 10.10 when he said this, the thief, and he's talking about the, the devil. He goes, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come, Jesus is saying this, I've come that they, the followers of Christ, might have life and have it abundantly. 2,000 years ago, he was talking about you and I saying, listen, I want an abundant life for you. 
And this abundance, it's what you need in the moment. Some days it's a physical need. Other days it's an emotional need. Some days it's a relational need. But God will give you the abundance of what you need on that day. I remember when my, when my eighth daughter was born. She was born almost eight years ago, actually, this month. And uh, when she was born, she was a preemie. She was way early. She ended up in the NICU. She's hooked up to every machine. She had holes in her lungs and holes in her heart. And we're sitting there praying. And I remember praying over her. And I had this thing that Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 describes. It says this, And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And that's what I got that day. Like all of a sudden I had this peace that made no sense, transcends all understanding, meaning it should not make any sense, and yet I had this peace over my heart. How is that possible? It's because he provides an abundance in the place of need that no one else can provide, that nothing else in this world could provide. And that's exactly what Peter experienced, and that's what he still has for you and I. And now check out what happens next. Peter says to, to Jesus, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man, for he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken in. Now here's a question. Why in the world does a catch of fish lead Peter to say, I'm a sinner? Why does a large catch of fish lead him to say, I'm a sinner? Here's why. Because when you see the greatness of God, you see your humanity, your brokenness, your shortcoming for what it is. You see how far short you are of, of him. Think about this. Peter's been fishing his whole life. He's a master fisherman, but he still has bad days, right? Still has days when he doesn't catch fish. And Jesus, who's not the master fisherman, comes out and with, in a blink of an eye, gives a command and has the best catch of fish that the Sea of Galilee has ever seen. Right? And what does Peter go? Immediately he sees, he's like, oh my word, I am so far short of who he is. And he sees his humanity, he sees his brokenness, he sees his sin. And in the same way, Romans 3.23, it says, for all of us have sinned. And I don't think anyone would argue that we've all sinned. We've all done something wrong. And it says this, and we've fallen short of the glory of God, meaning we are so far short of the greatness and the perfection and the holiness of God. If we were to see God for who he is, we would immediately go, you want to know what would come out of our mouths? I'm a sinner, just like Peter. We'd recognize how far short we are of him. And there's absolutely nothing you or I could do to somehow bridge that gap of our shortness to a perfect God. And so God did something to help bridge that gap, and that's he sent his son to lay down his life for us at the cross. But here's the deal. Yours and my greatest accomplishments, our greatest moments still fall short of the perfection, the greatness, and the wonder of God. But God doesn't just show off and kind of uh, to say, hey, look at how much better I am than you. Are you aware? He doesn't just say, hey, Peter, look at how I can catch fish and you, you stunk at it tonight. Just to show off. He does it so that he can say, hey, look at what I can do and let me call you to a better life. And then God does the same thing in our lives. He doesn't just say, hey, let me tell you how much better I am than you, just so that I can say it. He says, let me show you how much better I am than you, so that I can call you up to a life that's better than you're currently chasing after. Let, let, me, let me call you up to something that is the abundance that I can offer. And that's exactly what he does. He calls these guys up. He says, don't be afraid. Follow me. And from now you will fish for people. Matthew captures it this way when he says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, that simple invitation is the same thing he's inviting us to today. Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Uh, in there you get these two elements. Come follow me. Ever, ever play follow the leader as a kid? You remember that? 
Someone's in front and you're following behind. If they start to skip, you start to skip. And if they start to crawl, you start to crawl. And you're right behind them. And, and you're keeping an eye on them. And you're following right behind them to do what they're doing. This is what Jesus calls us to. Not to crawl and do all that and to skip. But he, he calls us to follow him. To follow him means you have to be right behind him, right on his tail. Here's the problem. There's some people who call themselves Christians and you are not a follower of Christ. You are a decider of Christ. And here's what I mean by that. Some point in your life long ago, you made a decision. You said, I decide to follow, I decide that I want Jesus. But he didn't say, I, I'm calling you or I'm inviting you to be a decider about Jesus. I'm inviting you to be a follower of Jesus. Are you getting this? This is big. It's, it's huge that we understand this. He didn't invite us to make a decision about him. He invited us to follow him. Meaning that daily, I'm going to be following in his footsteps. I'm keeping an eye on him. And so you want to know why so many people misrepresent Jesus? Because they're not following him. They, made a, they were deciders about him long ago in their life, but he's so far off in the distance, they don't know what he's up to. For some of you here, I want to just challenge you that Jesus would say the same thing to you. He goes, hey, follow me. Don't just make a decision about me. Follow me. And then he does the second thing. He calls them up to the greatest purpose in their lives. He goes, guys, and I love this. He's a total play on words. He doesn't say, I want you to stop fishing. He just says, I want you to change what you're catching. Let me just give you a new, new kind of target. But keep doing what you're good at. Just do it now with greater kingdom purpose. I, I imagine if, if Jesus were here today, he would probably do some play on words with you as well. Like if you're an electrician, he'd probably say, hey, don't just hook up power. Bring the power of God wherever you go. If you're a plumber, don't just bring water to a place or hook up water. Bring, bring the, the living water to a place. If you're a truck driver, don't just deliver things. Deliver the good news wherever you go. And if you're a teacher, don't just like uh, f- form young minds and give them in, and like be, bequeath truth to them. Form young minds to be able to respond to the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. And if you're a salesman or a stay-at-home mom or, or whatever, a manager, those might be your skill sets. But he would say, let me call you on up to fully give your life to me, but follow me. And let me give you kingdom purpose in everything that you're doing. And when you do, you're going to step into this abundant satisfaction that's only found in a sold-out life for Jesus. And that's exactly what the disciples do. I say sold out because that's what they did. They literally sold out. They, sold, they left all their stuff right there. They abandoned their gear and they followed Jesus. Now, I don't think Jesus is going to ask you to like abandon everything in your house. But he is asking you to leave your old life. The scripture talks about how when we follow Christ, it says that the old life died and we have a new life that's found in him. And we go all in to follow him. In fact, we're going to be ending with baptism here and there's kind of no way to get wet than other going all in here. That's baptism. Baptism, actually, the, the Greek word is baptizo. It's what they use, actually, to describe the dyeing of fabric. They would fully immerse it and pull it out and it was a new color. And it's that same word that he's saying, hey, we're going to fully immerse. And there's this beautiful picture that's built into baptism to help us to say, hey, this, I align my life with what Christ accomplished for me. The Apostle Paul in Romans describes it this way. When we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. It means this, simply this. 
Just as Christ, he died on the cross for our sins, and then he was buried in the grave, but he didn't stay there. He came out of the grave to show that he had conquered sin and death and that there was a victorious life in him. And in the same way, when we go under the water, it's this way of saying, hey, our old life was buried with Christ. But we don't stay under the water, right? We come out of the water to demonstrate, hey, just like Jesus came out of the grave, my old life is left there in the grave with Christ. My new life is I desire to follow him. And here's the thing that I loved that I best, I would use to describe uh, those who are being baptized. You remember the phase when you were like, Maybe in middle school, some of you might be in middle school or high school, when you were embarrassed of your parents. Remember that phase where you're like, for a season when you're young, you're like, I love my parents. And then in middle school, you might be embarrassed by your parents. You're like, oh, I don't want to be seen with them. And then eventually you grow up and you're like, no, I love my parents. And you're like, and you're not ashamed of them. Here's the deal. Those who are being baptized, you want to know what they've gotten over? Ever being ashamed of Christ. They, they go, you know what? I, I could care less what you think. I am not ashamed of him. And people who are being baptized, what they're declaring is they're saying, I am a follower of Christ. I am not ashamed of him. You want to know what my life, what is happening right here as I'm being baptized? It is a perfect picture of what Christ did for me. He died for me at the cross. He was buried in the grave. That's where my old life is going. And as I come out of the water, it's this declaration that I'm living. I am following him, and I'm stepping into the higher calling he has for my life. Amen, right? And here's the deal. I always have to say this. Those who are being baptized are not perfect. <laughs> They're going to screw up. There will be hard days ahead. But this moment is simply a declaration of, I'm following him, I'm not ashamed of him. And I'll come back to him on the day that after I screw up. We're going to... We're going to have this, oh man, I'm so excited. We're going to have this sweet moment. But as we head into this moment of baptism, I actually want to set up, maybe there's someone here today who uh, I want to pray because maybe there's some of you today that you would say, I've been trying my best, but your best you would recognize is still far short of his abundance. And today might be the day that you give your life to Christ. You say, All right, my, my best is short of what he can produce in my life. And the only way I ever walk into the abundant life that he has for me is when I surrender my life to him. I trust him. I put my faith in him. And so uh, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And this is really, it's between you and God if you want to do this. If you want to be able to say, hey, I'm not ashamed of him and I want to accept what Jesus did for me at the cross. And then I'm going to pray this simple prayer. And then afterward, I'm going to explain what's going to happen. But uh, I want to invite you to bow your heads with me right now. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior and you want to do so right now, it's a simple prayer like this. It's between you and God, and he, he hears what's happening uh, in your heart. Simple prayer like this, God, my very best has always been short of who you are, the perfect God, the holy God. But you love me so much that you sent your one and only son to lay down his life for me at the cross. And today, I put my faith in Jesus, not in me or my best, but in him and what he did for me at the cross. Today... I make a commitment to follow you. I am not a decider, someone who just makes a decision about Jesus. I am someone who will follow Jesus. Place your spirit in me and help me now to walk in step with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let me explain what's going to happen here. 
We've got about 30 people who are already lined up and set up to do baptism. And they're all going to kind of start over here. And when we do baptism, we pray over people. We bless them. That's what they're kind of going through. Our prayer partners are going to pray over them. If you're here with a family member who's being baptized, we, when they come on up to get baptized, we would encourage you to come and come right on up and be a part of it. Like surround them right at, the, at these little pools, um, that type of thing. We would love for, for you to be right there present when that happens. If... You came here today. There might be some of you who are like, man, I wasn't planning on it, but I feel like I'm supposed to get baptized. Like, and you would say, I'm not ashamed of him. And if you're sitting there going, hey, I've never made a decision to be baptized, and it was my own decision. We practice believer's baptism here, meaning that you personally believe in Jesus Christ, and you want to declare that. If you've never done that, maybe you were baptized as an infant, and you would say, hey, that was my parents' best expression of faith for me, but I've never personally made the decision, and you want to, we would invite you to come to this tent and talk to our people. We'll get you a shirt. You can change right over here in the bathrooms, and you can be baptized today. If you're sitting here, here and you're like and you're like a follower of Christ. You're like, I've been a follower, but I've never made that decision to be baptized. I would invite you to come on up to the tent. If you just prayed to receive Christ, why not today? Get baptized. Come on up to the tent uh, and just swing by under the tent and ask them. And just, they're going to ask you one or two questions. Make sure you know what you're doing. And then we'll get you a shirt. And, uh, and then we would love to baptize you. Uh, so our worship team is going to be playing. When people are baptized here, we make a lot of noise. So we're going to encourage you to make a lot of noise and cheer and hoop and holler. So why don't you guys stand on up with us and let's have some fun as we celebrate what people are doing and taking the next step in their faith. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.